Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. We're almost at the end of this thing, I hope. What do you think? Wouldn't it be good? We're within... Last I saw, 68.5% have been vaccinated across the province. Uh, They've committed to stage three opening two weeks following that point. Uh, We are moving, though, into more openness as stage two has provided that for us. Next week, single service um, gives us one-third capacities. We'll obviously put in a lot more chairs, and then we will have, uh, you know, time to finally kind of be together. You know, when you go through things, have you ever noticed this? Because I certainly do about myself. When you go through stuff, whether it's short-term or long-term, and this has been long-term, you, you kind of have the energy. You're, you're so focused, and you just take all your energy, and you put it on that dot, you know? And you're just pushing hard to do what you got to do. And then when you get finally, you know, to the end of something like that, whether it's short term or whether it's long term, and when you get to the end of something like that is when you notice how much that costs you emotionally. Because you start to actually relax around you and things are changing. And now it's like, oh. One of the staff members said, yes, I had my big cry last weekend. It was a lady. I didn't have a big cry. But I notice how it gets a little tougher as actually things change and you come out. And it's like you've been focused so strong and all your energy you've reserved for the challenges of that immediate thing that you've used up more reserve than you think. And I think a lot of you are there. In fact, all of you may be there. If you have really uh, you know, had a, a, basically a year and a half of this thing where you know, everything's been curbed, you've had change coming at you that you can't control. It has been a part of your life and controlled your life to a large degree. Um, It has created all kinds of competing emotions in you from pushback to, uh, you know, well, whatever, being pragmatic. I mean, you've got all kinds of different things that have come at you and and your energy tank is going to be low when you come out of this. If you're coming out with a high energy, I don't know how that's possible. Um, But here's what I do know. God wants to rebuild that energy tank. And he alone can do it. And it's his presence that can do it. Another thing that I've noticed in the middle of this uh, COVID time uh, within Christendom has been a very strong focus on last days kind of thinking where we have seen... uh, what I would say is something that, that has now bordered on diversion and, and can take people away from actually the focus of God in any and every generation. And so uh, I'm gonna take some time again and we're gonna start off today's message just kinda visiting the last days thing a little bit. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to the most authoritative person on last days and that's Jesus himself. And we're just gonna read the first phase of Matthew chapter 24, where he was asked this question by his disciples. And then after that, I want to take us into actually the focus that God wants us to be focused on. What day does he really want us focused on? 
and uh, versus last days. So let's jump into it a little bit. Uh, track with me as we uh, visit this. I mean, the reason that I'm passionate about this right now is because I'm passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm passionate about the health of believers, that their hearts are really on fire for God. That they're not focused on some exit strategy, but that is not actually clear in scripture. I think it's really important for us to deal with what is clear in scripture so we strengthen scripture and let it strengthen us. And so Jesus' words begin in Matthew 24, 3. The setting is this. Later, as he was sitting on Mount Olives, his disciples approached and asked him, here we go, tell us, when are these things going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming that the time's up? Okay, there's the question. And who, who's being asked? It's Jesus. Nobody more authoritative on this than him. And his answer begins with this. Jesus said, watch out for doomsday deceivers. We're gonna go through about 12 verses. And he starts off with this and he says, look, here's what you wanna watch out for. Be very careful of people that focus on doomsday uh, because what they're going to do is use that in a way that's quite deceptive. Deception will be a part of their focus. Deception, by the way, is something that is the main tool of the enemy, of the kingdom of darkness. It's deception. And he's saying, you be careful. That was the beginning of his answer. He's saying, let's start here. Let's start with, you gotta watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities, claiming I am Christ, the Messiah. You're not gonna find all of these leaders say I'm Jesus. You're gonna claim, they're gonna come and claim they have the answer. They're not gonna come and claim we have a better vision. They're gonna claim we know the way out of this. We've got a new vision for the world. We've got a new vision for you. We know how to solve this problem. We know what's going on. Uh, Jesus said, you watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities. They're going to claim, I am Christ, the Son of God. I am God-like. I have the answers. They will deceive a lot of people. More or less, he's saying it's not going to have just a little influence. He's saying in a worldwide concept, there's going to be volumes of people involved in this particular deception. When, when reports come in of wars and rumored wars, keep your head and don't panic. Doomsday deceivers want to focus on things that Jesus is going to put in a different category. And here's the category he puts it in. This is routine history. This is no sign of the end. So first off, he starts by saying, answering the question, what is the sign of, of your coming? And he goes and he says, here is what is not a sign. These things that you see, when you see that there is wars and rumored wars, there, the, this is no sign of the end. Nation will fight nation, ruler fight ruler, over and over. Human history, Cain and Abel, Famines and earthquakes will occur in various places, more or less worldwide. Nobody's excluded from this. It's going to happen all over. 
This is nothing compared to what is coming. So he starts out with saying, a lot of what you're going to experience is just normal history of a fallen world. So be in touch with that. Know that this is repeated itself in different degrees and intensities for, from the beginning of time. And he's saying, don't let doomsday deceivers or leaders that show up with some kind of forged identity claiming they have a handle and answers for the times lead you astray from what actually is the kingdom of God. Don't let it be a diversion. They are going to throw you to the wolves and kill you. That's an interesting statement. He's not say, he's saying the followers, my followers, if you're a Jesus follower, he's saying this is going to happen. Now, you might say, oh, when is that going to happen? Are you serious? This happened in the first century AD. This happened immediately in the history of the church. In the very moments of the appearance of the church, the followers of Jesus Christ, persecution accompanied it immediately. And it continues to our day. Sad to say around the world, persecution of Christians is up, not down. It is, and it's institutionalized. Many nations focused on restrictions and actually the breaking down of the Christian movement using their power against it. But in that day, you think it didn't exist? Nero, an interesting character, you know a little bit of him. He blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. While Rome burned, he played his violin. Yes, that guy, the, you know, Mr. Ethics. So this guy has some deep-seated issues. What he used to do with Christians when he started this massive persecution that was institutionalized from the Roman Empire. He marked them all. And he would have garden parties. And then he would take living Christians and they, they would be dipped in paraffin, hung off of meat hooks to illuminate the streets of Rome and his little garden parties. Brutal. So, Maybe being thrown to the wolves doesn't sound so bad after that. More or less, this is a condition that has always been and it will continue to be. And he's saying, that's what's going to happen. And everyone hating you because you carry my name. If you don't think the name of Jesus Christ is unique, it's amazing to me that it is used as the curse word around the world in every culture, no matter what language and no matter what religion. They don't use their own God as a curse word. They use the Lord. His name rises above all names and one day all knees will bow to him. And then he goes on and he says, and then going from bad to worse, it will be dog eat dog, everyone at each other's throat, everyone hating each other. He's saying it will, you're going to have a progression of the worst of the worst. You're going to have human breakdown. You're going to have where we are in such a competition with one another that we have a hatred for one another. And he's saying, don't ever let that be a part of my movement. The world will go there, not you. You don't go to that kind of divisiveness. You don't go where you're at each other's throat. <clears throat> Everyone hating each other. And then he says in verse 11, in the confusion, that is an interesting state He's saying, in the confusion of all of this that is transpiring and has transpired from the beginning of time, he's saying, 
lying preachers will come forward. Lying preachers. <coughs> it's an interesting statement. What is he saying? He's saying basically this. There are going to be people that are going to take my word and my absolute truth and they're going to change it and remove it from the practice of how they live out their life. Well, in our generation, that's become apparently egregious. We are seeing all kinds of fundamental truths that you have built your family on, you've built your marriage on, you, you have built your life on, not just being challenged, but being officially changed. You have had definitions that have been in place since the creation of man and woman being changed. You have absolute truth being challenged. Even that which is scientifically true is not true anymore. So he's saying lying preachers, they speak like they have the new truth. When you see this happening, you know this is part of the confusion of the time, and lying preachers will come forward and deceive a lot of people. So, so far we've got deception, deception, a lot of deception that's been going on from the beginning of time, and in our time, very much on the increase. And then it goes on and it says, for many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. We're gonna focus on that scripture in a little bit. Just that one line, actually, out of there. Because, you see, what he's saying is going to get to the point where even the world in its will become so evil that that overwhelming evil will discourage the heart of believers, Christians, to such an extent that they themselves will lose their love for God and each other. It grows cold. Now he's going to their hearts. They can't control earthquakes. They cannot control volcanoes. They cannot control what the nations will do with nations. They cannot control how the nations will persecute them. They cannot control the fact that they will have targets on their back. They cannot control that there will be deception and truth and its foundation will be changed. They can't stop that from happening in this world. So he goes to the one place and he says, but here is where you do have control. Your own heart. The condition of your own heart. He's saying, he's getting closer to the sign now. He's saying, it's going to be about what's going on in you. You're going to be in challenge. By the way, in every generation, there has been the same challenge where evil in the world can so discourage you as a believer that you just kind of grow cold because you're focused on the headlines of the evil and what's happening in the world and you're not focused on the Lord and his sending and, and his, his, his power, his Holy Spirit in you. You're not focused on the time really at all. You're focused on something that is called the last days in a way that is wrong and it's unhealthy. It is diverting. It's taking you away from what you actually control, which is your own heart. 
If you've been reading a lot of the headlines, I don't know about you, but it's like, you might as well just say, oh, give me another burden. Put another burden on your spirit. Oh yeah, let's read another one. Let's just deepen that burden. Let's just make ourselves heavier. You know, let's just keep reading all of this and putting it in. And it's just like it weights just keep increasing, doesn't it? It can feel overwhelming. And how do you fight back? What is this about fighting back? Why would, we, why would we say that we have to somehow fight back against what the enemy is doing? We have to fight for what God has put us here to do. We have to fight for what we are involved in. We fight for the call of God in our generation. We fight for our families. We fight for the faith in our families. We are fighting for That's where he wants our energies. Staying with it, that's what God requires. Endurance. He's saying, all of this is going to happen. And he's saying, and you're going to have a personal struggle in your heart to stay alive and bright and in passion for God and others and my call and my spirit in you. You're going you're to have to fight for that. But I want to tell you that if you will endure, stay with it to the end, you won't be sorry and you'll be saved. All during this time, the good news, the message of the kingdom. He's saying all during this time, literally from the beginning right through to this current date. He's saying all, uh, all, all through this whole time. The message of the kingdom of God will be preached all over the world. A witness staked out in every country. And then he says, gives them the sign. Here's the sign. And then the end will come. He's saying when, he's basically saying this, when the work is done, when God has done his purpose in and through his church, when he has taken it out and staked in every nation, the gospel of Christ, that is when the end will come. It's interesting. These are Jesus' own words. So he's basically telling us that you don't have control of all this other kind of stuff. And there's going to be all kinds of weirdness. There's going to be like doomsday deceivers. Leaders are going to show up with forged identities. There's going to be, you know, wars, rumors of wars. Uh, this is routine history. Uh, there's going to be these fights between nations. Famines, earthquakes, they're going to occur. This is nothing compared to what is coming though. And they are going to throw you, by the way, persecution uh, to the wolves and kill you. Everyone hating you because you carry my name. And then going from back to worse, it's going to be like dog eat dog. Relationships are going to break down in this world so bad that it's only going to be about personal survival and climbing over the next one and me before you always. And in that confusion, he's saying lying preachers are going to take the unchangeable word of God and they're going to come forward and they're going to deceive a lot of people because they're going to change this. And then he says, evil's going to spread so deeply and so strongly that it can steal from you a hot, passionate relationship with God. It can overwhelm you. 
because that's what you're focused on. So he says, no, you got to stay with it. In fact, he says, you got to stay with it because that is the sign of the time as you stay with it and you carry the gospel and you stake out the Christian faith in your families, in your generation, in your region, in your business, in your community, in everywhere that God has seeded your life. When you start staking that out, you're a part of the sign of the very end and that the end will then come when that work is completed. I'm going to read verse 12 again and focus on especially the last phrase because God doesn't want you focused upon the last days. He wants you focused on this day. But listen to this in the book. Just hang on. Notes sometimes get turned around. In the book of the New King James Version. And it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Just hang on to that verse. We're going to be back there. He's saying, love, for, love is going to grow cold for people. Like just, just loving each other. Imagine this. Do you think we're better at love than a different generation? I don't do you think that love is growing cold in relationships and that cold, love is hard to find for hard to find? Sounds like a song. But let's shift to the day God wants you to focus on. In Deuteronomy chapter uh, 33 and verse 25, here's a scripture. Moses is the one that is blessing the tribes just before his death. And he comes to the tribe of Asher in verse 25, and he says this, your sandals shall be iron and bronze. But here's the phrase. As your days, so shall your strength be. He's saying, no matter what the day brings, Asher, here's the blessing upon you. You're going to have enough strength from God for that day. No matter what that day brings. No matter what it, what's going to happen today, Asher, so shall your strength be. Wow, what an amazing promise. We're going to work that one a little bit. You know, there are days in life that you wish the sun would never set, that the daylight would never die and darkness would never come in. You, you, I mean, there are times when you just don't, oh man, does this day have to end? Uh, I, in June here, we get lots of light. You know, and, and it's, kind of, it's kind of like one of those days when, wow, the grass is green. I mean, it has been one of those beautiful days. It has not been windy in Grand Prairie. We are having this calm, wonderful day and the evening approaches and the sun is getting lower in the sky about 10 o'clock. And you start to see the shadows lengthen and the softness of the grass and you just, it's beautiful. You've watched some of the flowers emerge. You're in touch with the beauty of that day. But you know nighttime's going to come. And that's the way that it is in life. No matter how long the day, it may be a June day, it may be a December day, short on daylight, but long on night. No matter what the condition that you are facing and walking through right now, he's saying whatever your day brings, so shall your strength be. You know, night is not such a bad thing. Night is a friend of the stars. And it gives us the longest view possible measured in light years. Have you ever thought about this? 
You can see way further at night if you understand what you're looking at than you can in the day. In the day, you can see what the scope of your eyes can take in with distance that really is small. But at night, you can look across light year upon light year upon light year and see God's creation. You can see not just stars up there. What you are seeing instead is galaxies. And there's about 400 billion galaxies. And there's about 300 to 400 billion stars in every galaxy. And you are looking up at the galaxies and then they spread across the heavens and you wonder at the amazing breadth of this particular creation. You see way further at night. You can see the beauty of night. Now you see the stars which you don't see when the daylight is there. But the beauty as you cast your gaze on a, on a, on a, a good dark night and you can see, my oh my, the Milky Way spread across that sky. And you can zero in on the moon on the beautiful nights. And around here we can get such beautiful moonlit nights when they just light up the boughs of the trees. And it's just, you're, you're out there and it's that half daylight moment. And you see the beauty of that light within the darkness. You're seeing way further in the darkness than you were before. You see, that makes a point for us. That's when you can actually see God more clearly in a way is in your nighttime than in your daytime. It is our weakness that's made room for God. You see, when you are weak, and that's that nighttime experience, when you go through weakness, and it's, it's like going through the nighttime. I wish the day of my health lasted, but now it's the nighttime of my health. I wish the daytime, you know, of, of uh, my uh, relationship with my wife lasted, but she's gone now. Or my husband, he's gone now. And I wish that that lasted, but it's not. It's nighttime now, see? And you, you, can, you can go through that, and the weakness that you have has made room for God. Because as a believer, our faith transcends just what these eyes can see. And it transcends and looks in the night and finds the points of light that faith alone will find in those night times. It is even our sins that have shown us the extravagance of God's nature and grace. If, if, if you are in touch with the sins of your life, and if you, if you need to get in touch, just ask some of your close friends, to be honest. If you're in touch with the sins of your life, that is not a, the darkest moment in that regards. That is, in fact, the time when you can see the light in the middle of the darkness and you see the moonlight and you see the stars and you see the extravagance of God's nature and grace because I see how weak I am. Our sins make room for a savior. That's why when lying preachers come and change what sin is, no longer is it a sin to do this. No longer is it a sin to do that. That's archaic. No, that's not right, that's not wrong. Every man knows his own right and wrong. He will decide that. Folks, when we move into that world and the lying preachers have had their day, I want to tell you that the worst thing that happens is that we are not making room for the Savior because we're not in touch 
with our need by being in touch with our sins. And it's our sins which do us in and break our lives and break the good things in our life. It is when we lie in relationships. It's when we, it's when we decide to act upon the lusts. It's when we do things that break our lives. Our weaknesses just in life. When you go through life, you're going to go through things that are bigger than you. And it's our weaknesses that make room for the Holy Spirit. That's when you're saying, oh my gosh, I really need your help, Spirit. I am just needing it big time. And it's our wanderings when we move off trail, whether it be something in our life that we're choosing, but we are moving off trail. It's our wanderings that make room for the shepherd, the good shepherd, that he brings us back lovingly and challenges back onto the trail. And he brushes us off, picks us up and says, let's go. That is the beautiful moment. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Why? Because I know how much I need it. Darkness may not be loved, but stars are, folks. And you only see the stars when you stand in darkness. See, we have to get first a good idea of the great depth of our own weakness before we can be infused with his strength and have his grace so rich in our life. But how do we do that? That's just an idea of humility, humbleness. I have a proper relationship with the truth about me. I'm not, I'm not living false truths about me. I'm living the real truth about me. I know, but for the grace of God, there go I. I know that I have my weaknesses I, and I must not focus on theirs. I'm not to look at, you know, the little sliver in their eye and not see the log in my own. I understand myself. I live in a proper relationship with me. That's humility. Self-sufficient persons can never grab the promise of the verse in Deuteronomy, which promises a strength beyond our own. Because that self-sufficiency cuts out any kind of need for God. It blinds you to the stars. It blinds you instead you know, to the moonlight. It takes away what God wants to bring into your life in those times. So let's consider our weakness in a few areas. In our duties, your business, your job, your profession. How about your duties in your family? I mean, those things show us how weak we really are. God, I don't know what to do with this kid. God, we've tried everything in this relationship. God, we are so far down in this, I don't know how in the world we'd ever dig out of this. You know, like, those things show us our weakness. And instead of putting a facade up, those are the moments where believers, those that really have this heart towards God, they lean into him and say, Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. I need your encouragement. I need your strength. I need your power. I can't do this on my own. Jesus said this, without me, you can do nothing. Wow. Wow. Suffering, another weakness. You know, when you go through loss in life, chairs are empty that used to be filled. Changes that you couldn't control. Things have happened 
Decisions by others that have more than disappointed you. It has hurt you deeply. And you go through the suffering. When you go through that kind of suffering, that is when you know in your weakness that you need him. And that's where the Christian, because of humility, that we are to live in a healthy relationship with ourselves, we then look at that and say, oh God, I need it. I really need your help and I need your strength. You know, it's one thing to talk about the furnace. And it's another thing to actually be in it. It's one thing to talk about the loss of others. You know, when somebody had a loss. But when you're in it, that's when you really know your weakness. It's one thing to talk about somebody else's economic collapse. But when you're in it, that's when you know your weakness. It's one thing to talk about, you know, any area of, of loss in our life and, and, and actually uh, not be in the furnace. Or how about forward progress? How many times have you said, I'm going to change this, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to add this, and so on and so forth. And then you find that you're doing worse than you were before. It's like that old saying, one step forward, two steps back. But you've forgotten that the way that God grows us and takes us forward is he goes downward first before he goes upward. He drives deep in the heart. And that's where darkness, the nighttime, drives the presence and the reality of our faith deeper than the daytime. And that's where we, he's saying, I'm going downward in you. Yes, you have experienced this loss. Yes, you're going through suffering. Yes, you are having this happen in your life right now. And yes, you're falling short in your duties. And, uh, but right now, I am working something deep in your heart. That's what I want you to focus on. Temptation. A lot of us think that maybe we can outgrow Temptation. Or that, you know, we don't deal with the stuff that a lot of people deal with. I don't deal with an alcohol problem, a drug problem, a sex problem, or whatever. I don't deal with those things. Listen, I want to tell you, uh, there's an old story, and it's about Achilles. It's an old Greek mythology story. So Achilles was a very powerful, they call him a god. Why he had that was because they dipped his heel, they held his heel, and they dipped him into water, and any part that was dipped in the water... Basically, he's godlike, strong, but he couldn't do the heel. And that's why we, we say, oh, that's your Achilles heel. Oh, you got that one weak spot. Now, here's the thing about the enemy. He never knocks on the front door. He always comes through the back door. He's always going to come through the back door. He's got his way. He knows you. He knows your Achilles heel. And that's what he's going to focus on. We all have our Achilles heel. That's why in temptation we must never gloat or compare. But we say, oh God, there but for your grace, go I. God, I need your help. I'm weak. He, Lord, I need you to preserve me. Temptation, Samson, great illustration of that. Consider the greatness of this promise, as your day, so shall your strength be. Imagine waking up this morning and knowing, no matter what's coming down the pipe, 
no matter you know, what's gonna blindside me, no matter the burden that's gonna come or hit me. Maybe it's gonna be a day I never wanna see end. Maybe it's gonna be a great day. Maybe the sun's gonna shine all day and I'm gonna really be in touch with all the beauty and none of it's gonna happen today. Maybe, maybe, could be. Could be one of those good days that way. But then there's days where you know there's gonna be the nighttime come and there's gonna come when that day that sunlight died and now the nighttime has come upon you. And in that nighttime, this is gonna be the time when you are going to be looking for strength and you're going to need strength and you want to know who has made this promise. The guarantor is God himself. He says, I promise you, I promise you, live in this kind of relationship of humility, of of you being weak and me being strong. Focus on my strength, not your own. Instead, I just want you to celebrate the grace by which my strength can come to you and God has not out-promised himself here. He is able to respond to anything and everything that we face, no matter how deep the night, there's always gonna be some stars to light that place up. Let's focus on the condition of this. He's saying, as our days, what comes your way? Not as our desires. If you wanna just kind of just own your own life and make every decision around you, and then you wonder, you know, wow, you know, I'm, I'm in the night times. I sure got a lot of nighttime going on. You want God's strength in the day? Then you are keeping a, a good heart towards God. You are keeping your flame lit. You are keeping the fire built. You have got the passion that's there. You're paying attention to your relationship with God and your relationship with people. You're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. You're loving your neighbor as you love yourself. It does not say our strength shall be as our fears. I have met people that have a fear of dying to such a degree that they just, it just panics them to even think about their life ever expiring. And, and God doesn't say, well, I'm going to give you the grace to die because God gives you grace for what you face that day. And if, if he wants you to live this day, he's not going to give you grace for dying. But when you finally face that day, The Lord is my shepherd. And then we go to this part. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That was his grace for that day. You don't need it today. God wants you to live today. Monday's grace is not given out Saturday night. The breadth, think of Job. He loses everything in one day. Boom, 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 boom. Family, friends. He has lost all he owns. He's lost all his livestock, his home. He's lost his health. Everything crashes in one day. Is there grace for that, God? Do you get us through that kind of nighttime? Yeah, he did. And Job stood at the end of that day with that nighttime upon his life. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He's saying, God's with me. He had this flame for God that just wouldn't go out. And then the length, this promise will outlive you. It will walk with you and it will give you the grace for that moment when you're gonna pass on into eternity with God. Jesus is going to walk you through that moment. 
This promise will outlive you. As our days, so shall your strength be. Okay, let's flip back to Matthew 24, 12 to end this. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You and I live in challenging times. And you can focus on these times and get lost in it. Or you can focus on the day that has come your way from the basis of what the end of the signs of the end are, which is the gospel is going forward. It's being staked out in families and generation. It's being, it, the work of God is going forward right up until the last time. You can focus on the work of God today. You can, with humbleness, focus on your weakness, needing his strength. You can focus on that or you can focus trying to figure out something that Jesus himself said, only the Father knows. You can get caught up in all of the wrong stuff and I counsel you today, don't lose it because then you're gonna become subject to this. The lawlessness of the age will bring great burden and discouragement. It will eat the flame. It will take away the heat and the passion that is so needed to live through the night times of life. We're gonna finish with a video that the guys put together this week. They're so talented. I think Riley wrote this. He's delivering, he's the voice on here. He brings it at the end to a question, really. I'd like you to watch this short video. Let it bring something maybe fresh to your life. Because as we come out of this, thank God, nighttime, gonna come to an end in this world for many, many people all around. But at the same time, God's got his work to be done in our hearts. This is where the focus needs to be. Right here. What he's doing in me so that he can do through me. Enjoy this video. When I was young, I had the world. (laughs) Not a blemish upon my heart or soul. I showed love to those around me for I had so much love too much to hold in my heart. I chased my dreams with blind passion. I saw the blessings of life, and they found me just the same. Then things changed. Life got hard. Days got short and hours long. (laughs) Same friends I used to love slowly became more and more distant. Something broke inside me. started to turn away from people and from God. I was lost, broken, shattered. I, I was left with nothing but bitterness in my heart and just enough cynicism to refuse to walk away. When I heard word of change on the horizon, I, I laughed. And when I saw it with my own eyes, I stood in fearful awe. When the rivers dried and food was scarce, I fought tooth and nail for what I could. When I felt the earth shake beneath me, my soul shook in turn. And when I saw shadows of beasts surrounding me, I ran. 
I ran and ran until there was nowhere left to run. All that remained was a cold, damp cave with a fire made from the remnants of my tattered belongings. And like the flickering spark in my heart, (laughs) that fire burned cold. But in the darkness, in the stillness of that solemn moment, a voice whispered to me as if from the winds of heaven. And I... Don't be discouraged in these times. Don't think it's all going, you know, like going to hell in a handbasket. Don't think that you live in times that are so different from any other time. What you must do is what every generation of people of Christian faith do. Is that in humility, we're honest about our weakness and our need of our God. No matter where he has placed you, what dark night you are going through. This is how you deal with all times. Because this is what is guaranteed. You will go through these challenges all the time. And it will repeat itself until one day God says, yep, it's up. Work's done. Plan is finished. But until that day, we are to have hearts aglow and a fire for God. And his spirit is speaking softly into Christian's heart. I've seen it over and over again. Focusing you on the choices in here that your heart might be fully in love and in passion with God and in human relationships. Not building walls against the world, but filled with a love for God and for people. Living in our communities with the strength of the grace that we received, we give. We are called not to be in this world, to survive and escape. We are called to change it, to bring the gospel of Christ. And in humility, live strongly in the midst of even growing evil and confusion. And then God will do his work. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we just thank you that, Lord, your call upon our lives is no different than at any other generation. The clarion call has gone out that if you're a person of faith, there's a cost for that. If you're going to live for Jesus, you're going to experience some really big costs. It's going to be challenging. If you're going to live for him, his strength is going to be needed. Father, we know that we need the Holy Spirit's strength in our life, but sometimes we just pretend to be so strong. And we just need to say, God, I really am weak here. I need your help. And God, I pray that that kind of honest relationship with ourselves would emerge in a greater way so that we can have a more passionate relationship with you. Because the more dishonest we are with ourselves, Lord, the lower the candle flame in our life with you. God, I need you. I need you desperately, not a little bit. I need you desperately, Lord, because of the weakness and the challenges being so much greater. 
Father, we need you because there is Goliath. We need you, God, because there's things bigger than us challenging us that are looking to destroy. God, we need you. And I pray that in this time and this day and age, our lights would just be burning so much brighter because of a humility that says, oh God, light it up. Blow upon this flame in my heart. Blow it, Lord, with good oxygen that it would grow. Lord, I want to grow in love to you and grow in love to others in this dark time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.